We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rotor Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Friday. It's October 27th. It is 2023. We have 11 basketball games to talk about here on today's podcast. Joined by an old face of the podcast. Back with us here at Rotor Grinders, Kyle Murray. Not Kyler Murray. <laughs> Kyle Murray. K. Murray DFS. Kyle, man, long time. No talk. Good to talk to you. And uh, welcome back to the show. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, happy to be back. Uh, you know, feeling very nostalgic being back on the the morning grind here. We did a, a ton of uh, podcasts a few years ago, so excited to be back and talking some hoops with you. Yeah, man, we did um, we did quite a few. So I'm glad that you're back in the RG fam. I know you're doing a lot with the projections team, doing a lot with college football, and um, I mean, yeah, you're a good dude. So I'm glad that we get to work together. I messaged Kyle and I was like, "Hey, you want to start coming back on?" He's like, "Heck yeah!" So I'm like. <laughs> I must be doing something right um, yep. if, if hosts want to come back. So uh, welcome back. If you're new to the podcast, Kyle's the man. So um, you're going to enjoy the show. And um, we are live on YouTube. As always, make sure you subscribe to the Rotor Grinders Morning Grind YouTube page. Turn on those notifications. That way you get us when we go live, typically around 10 o'clock on the East Coast. We have a big slate, 11 games. It's been a weird like opening week, and it's going to start mellowing out where we get these like seven, eight game slates, but we've had like two game slate, 12 game slate, two game slate, 11 game slate. So, Kyle, before we jump in, anything jumping out at you so far in this very short three day um, NBA season? 
Uh, no, nothing really overwhelming for the first couple of days. Uh, I mean, obviously we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, really solid performances from some guys. And I think we're going to see, you know, some, some young, I feel like in the NBA early season, one thing that I always like to look at is, you know, maybe young guys who are maybe taking that next step forward in terms of their production and their role in an offense. Um, and there are a couple names, you know, one, uh, that's in an early game that will, I'm sure, sure touch on pretty quickly, but, uh, yeah, a couple of guys like that, you know, standing out, which we'll talk about, but, you know, other than that, obviously you'll have to decipher all the the new faces and new places and stuff like that because players in the NBA moving like crazy. But you know, other than that, nothing really uh, you know changing too much in terms of the uh, the DFS world. I think a lot of it's going to come down to adapting to news and you know with the Phoenix news today and and in the first day, right back to you know riding that that bike in terms of getting news and stars uh, missing early early often. Oh yeah. I mean, the NBA is such a moving piece in general. Like we, we talk about all the time. Like if you can't be on your computer at like six forty-five to like seven thirty, at least like at the bare minimum to be able to adjust. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's really hard. Like it's really hard to like take what we talk about here on the morning grind and build a lineup and not change it. Because I mean, we are a first look of, of the, what the slate looks like. And things are going to change and it's going to change fast um just in general so let's jump in and get started here 11 games we start with denver at memphis 225 total in this game denver a four-point favorite denver's injury report good to go memphis side adams clark Kennard, and john morant all out um so we'll talk about that but let's start with denver they looked good you know Jokic looked great on opening night put up a big game against the Lakers. Uh, we don't expect that to to happen every single night, but we do expect him to be, you know, a 60-plus player most nights. Uh, what are your thoughts here on Denver? Yeah, obviously when you talk Denver, always starts with Jokic. Uh, he picked up right where he left off. Uh, you know, no real uh, NBA championship hangover there. Um, you know, getting right up there in terms of his point and, and rebounding totals. I would say, you know, pretty uh, – you know, I guess lackluster um, performance in terms of his overall, you know, ability to really rack up the the efficiency. But he's really good from three point uh, range, three for five from three. But you know, another triple double for him. So no surprise there. Forty uh, percent assist rate was what really stood out to me. That's a a big number. If he's able to maintain that, that's going to be something that obviously is going to really set him apart from a lot of these other studs. Because obviously we know he's going to get it done on the rebounding front and, you know, a lot of times on the, the scoring front every night. So the assist number uh, being at 11 assists and a 40% assist rate was you know pretty impressive there. Um, after him, I, I think, you know, obviously Jamal Murray is going to be a guy who is in play some nights here, especially if you're not playing Jokic. Uh, I think Murray's fine, but there's going to be other guys in this price range that I think I like a little bit more. And there's not really a ton of Denver guys that are standing out a ton from a uh, value perspective. Aaron Gordon had a really strong game. Uh, you know, last uh, Tuesday night, 35 minutes, you know, got it done uh, in terms of, you know, filling up the stat sheet. Um, so I think he's in play here at 6K on DraftKings. Um, but I, I'm, I think Michael Porter Jr. is a guy who I, I like again here. He didn't really get it done for us. He shot abysmally from the three-point line uh, in, in game one. But he's going to have volume. He's going to play 28 to 30 minutes, I would assume, play 30 minutes in game one. Uh, so I think it's Jokic. And then looking a bit down the board, I think Gordon and MPJ are in play here. I don't hate KCP, um, just a, like a pure value, 5K. He was tied with Jokic as far as minutes, and he looked really good on the dis- defensive side. And like he's someone like on Fanduel at 5,100. If he can get you two or three steals, like yeah. that's a huge little bump there at 5,100. So I don't mind KCP over there on Fanduel. Jokic 
the main target, and then you start getting into like secondary pieces. And I don't know necessarily on 11 game slate if you're going to need secondary pieces, but I mean, they are still kind of all priced right, in my opinion. Like, there's not any like, oh, massive value kind of jumping off here. I, I mean, you mentioned Michael Porter Jr. at 5,800. He would probably be my favorite outside of Jokic and maybe KCP, um, just price based on price. Memphis side, I mean, this is a team that right before the season started, they found out they're going to lose um, Steven Adams. It was a team that we were very interested to see like what the rotations were going to be. Desmond Bain yeah. did his thing. Til- Tillman played 33 minutes. Jaron Jackson stayed out of foul trouble and played 35 minutes. Like if Jaron Jackson can stay out of foul trouble in any game and gets 35 minutes, like he's instantly at the top of like the, the ceiling board for me. Um, What are your thoughts here on Memphis? Yeah. I think those three names that you just mentioned are at the top are the interesting ones. Bain is one of those guys I was sort of alluding to where I know he took a pretty big step forward last year as well. um, But you know, with no job for the majority of the season, like you, kind of have to rely on Bain from a scoring front if you're Memphis. So uh, I think he's going to be continued to be tasked with a, a huge usage rate, 30, almost 31% in game one. That's probably a number that is, you know, it's a, it's a very high number, but it's not, you know, outlandish to assume that that number could you know be maintained. I, I think, you know, 26, 27 plus percent usage night in and night out for Bain makes a lot of sense with the way this team is currently structured. You know, Tillman, he played 34 minutes. He's going to look, you know, really good in terms of projections, I would assume. Uh, at 5,800, the price went up a little bit. But, you know, I still think that in terms of if this is a guy who's going to play 34 minutes, he's always been fairly productive as a producer. I think, you know, 48 DK points is what he scored uh, in game one. Probably not going to assume he's going to score that again, especially with, you know, Triple J having the down game. Uh, but Triple J, I think, is this is just an amazing bounce back spot, right? Um, you know, like you mentioned, he stayed out of foul trouble, played 36 minutes, and had a pretty bad game. Uh, that's not something that we're typically going to expect for Triple J. Usually, if he's getting the minutes, he is extremely productive. And with Tillman playing center, he'll probably be dealing with Jokic a bit more than Jackson will have to. And really, Jackson, you know, facing uh, Aaron Gordon on the other side defensively. Gordon's not a high usage guy, so I wouldn't be surprised if Triple J can avoid foul trouble again here. Uh, and I think he's going to be a really strong bounce back tournament play here. I think that's an excellent point about like who he potentially gets matched up with and can stay out of foul trouble. Because I mean, that's all, that's the thing you're always worried about um, with Jaron Jackson Jr. is just can he stay out of foul trouble? And like he gives you that upside of like those steals in the blocks, but he also yeah. like you know you're worried about him just getting in foul trouble. Um, it'd be interesting to see and pay attention to Derek Rose's minutes. He had a 29% usage rate off the bench the other night. Pay attention to this. I don't think it's the slate to play Derek Rose, but it is something worth noting. Like if he starts creeping up into that, like 22, 23 minute type of role, getting that much usage off the bench, he has to be in the conversation, but I don't think today is the day we're looking at Derek Rose. Moving on. We got Detroit at Charlotte. 225 and a half total here. Charlotte, a four point favorite. Detroit side, Bogdanovich and Morris out on the Chicago side or Charlotte side, sorry. Bridges and Martin out. Let's start here with Detroit. Very young team. Very, very young team. Um, it didn't shock me that Duran kind of had a good game on opening night. I think he has like the skills to, you know, kind of excel and exceed, um, succeed in this offense just in general. Price up on FanDuel at 7,900 and still 5,600 on DraftKings. I mean, we love the matchup against Charlotte for big men. Like, is this a guy that we're already writing down as like one of the top value plays on the slate here early early in the first look kind of phase? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, the $5,600 price tag on DraftKings, you know, he, he, I think a lot of people will assume he's a better fit for Fandle scoring because of his block and steal upside, but equally so on DraftKings with his double-double upside. Like, he really is looking like one of those guys you can pencil in to have double-double upside, uh, you know, every single every single night. And he actually had a 21% assist rate last uh, last game, too. So, again, probably not a number that's going to be sustained, but still pretty impressive to show that maybe he's making some developments there. But, um, yeah, I think the double-double upside is really nice for Duran. Uh, 32 minutes he played, so, you know, he looked really good. We know what his upside is. But on the flip side of things, Isaiah Stewart, he looked equally as good. He, yeah. he seems to be developing a three-point shot. He was two for three from three-point range uh, in that game one. So Isaiah Stewart played almost 35 minutes. And, you know, with it seems Wiseman out of the rotation, Bagley essentially out of the rotation as a you know a big player. He played 16 minutes last game. Obviously, he was playing a lot more last year. So it seems like Detroit's willing to give the keys to Stewart and Duren here. Um, and I think both these guys are really strong plays. Both have really solid matchups. They're going to share the floor at times. Uh, so I think you can really have a lot of interest there. Uh, Kate Cunningham, though, I I would be remiss to not mention the 35% usage rate that he had yeah. in game one. So, um, I mean, they made a great comeback there against Miami, almost came back to beat them. They had a, a chance to win at the buzzer. I think they lost by one. So Kate, I think, is in just a great spot here. I think this is a, a spot where we talk about young guys taking large leaps forward and a lot of pressures on Cade to deliver this year and become that, you know, that alpha type player, that, that top scorer type guy. And, you know, by the looks of what he did uh, in game one, he's looking to do that here. So uh, I like Cade quite a bit here, despite the 8-8 price tag on DraftKings. It's a pretty high one, but I still think he's a guy who's going to be a mid-9K player at some point this season, maybe even a 10K player. I think the potential for pace in this game is really good too. Um, yep. So, I mean, we know LaMelo likes to push the pace. Rogier likes to push the pace. So I, I think like the pace could really benefit a guy like Kid Cunningham. Um, you know, I think that this is a spot you could definitely – Make a little game stack of this game. I think it's going to be a close competitive game where you get that fourth quarter run because, I mean, that's what you're hoping for all the time. The other name I wanted to mention was Thompson, um, a young rookie. He looked really good defensively in that game against um, Miami. Again, it's one game. It, we we don't want to, like, like, overreact to one game. But we also want to, like, make these notes of, like, you know, players looking the part. And, I mean, he looked great defensively. He's going to get some shots up in this offense as well. Um, he had a really solid game for his first game, and I think he ended up like, like five blocks. You don't expect that every night. Um, yeah. But, I, I mean, a Charlotte team, this is not a bad matchup for him either. So let's talk about the Charlotte side of this game. No Bridges, no Martin. Um, P.J. Washington had a big game on opening night, 25 actual points. It's funny. I had no interest in P.J. Washington, and – the lineup HQ just kept spitting him out in the optimizer. Um, and I kept replacing him and like, and I, I mean, I, that's why you listen to projections sometimes. What are your thoughts here on Charlotte? Yeah. Similar to the Detroit side. I like both big men here. Uh, PJ Washington and Mark Williams, both under six K on DraftKings. Mark Williams, I think is a, a nice fit over on Vandal where you get the, you know, the stock upside, but PJ Washington, I think is a little bit better on DraftKings where you, you know, he's a little bit of a, a little bit more of a shooter. So I think, PJ Washington's a really interesting play here, sub 6K. Um, you know, I, I think both these teams, in terms of the way you would roster them, are fairly similar. You have that elite ball handling point guard in Lamelo or Cade Cunningham, and then you have some two pretty interesting big men in Washington Williams and Stuart Duran, like we talked about. So those are the three that I have the most interest in here. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, when things are all said and done, and you're actually building lineups tomorrow, how you know how evenly Ball and Cade shake out compared to 
some of these other top end studs because I think there's going to be a couple of value guys that you know can make things work here. But for the most part, um, I think when you're lacking news and lacking uh, a lot of inefficient salaries, balance lineups are typically typically going to be better. So that could lead to more you know more lineups starting with guys like Lamelo and Kate Cunningham. So I think that's going to be very interesting uh, come tomorrow when we're actually building lineups. Yeah, I mean Rozier had a, the highest usage rate on the team. It was kind of spread out after that. The minutes, I mean, I think the minutes are going to be pretty spread out for this team. Um, just kind of looking at the rotation that we saw the other night. I like the Mark Williams call. I think that he has, like, he still has upside at his price. And I mean, the matchups, like both the big men, like you said, in this in this game as a as a whole, um, have some upside. So, like that Mark Williams call. Miami at Boston, two seventeen total here. Boston, a seven and a half point favorite. On the Miami side, Highsmith and Josh Richardson out. Boston, good to go. We'll start here with Miami. I mean, game-wise, one of the slower-paced games, one of the better defensive games that we have on this slate. We saw Tyler Hero chucking. Um, I think that's something we needed to at least mention. What are your thoughts here on the Heat? Yeah, I think that was the first thing that stood out to me. Um, you know, maybe he's another one of those guys who are, you know, potentially taking a step forward in the offense. 30% usage rate, played 35 minutes. That's going to be pretty big for Tyler Hero if he's able to maintain that. He'll still be a pretty, you know, up and down and consistent fantasy scorer because it's all going to depend on how well he can actually, you know, fill up the bucket uh, any given night. And, you know, the 33% true uh, shooting percentage in game one didn't really lead to a, a strong ceiling game, but 29 DK points like that'll. It won't, it won't kill your lineup. You're definitely hoping for more. But, you know, if he gets hot one night, uh, which this isn't really a, an amazing matchup by any means, but if he does get hot, 40 DK points would be a pretty solid showing for a, a 6-6 price tag. So that was a definitely an interesting number to see there for Hero with the minutes and the usage there. I think Butler and Bam are, you know, going to be in play the majority of nights as these, you know, mid-tier guys. And I think in, in this particular slate, they'll probably be a, a little bit more contrarian lower own with the tough matchup and, with some other guys in the slate that we've already talked about. But uh, I think, you know, playing one of those guys is fine. But I think right now, you know, the night before, Hero is probably the guy that I have most interest in here. The other one, like, I don't know how much I really want to trust this, but Kevin Love playing 27 minutes on opening night. Um, I mean, that that was one of the bigger shocks for me. Like, yeah. uh, listen, Wade, um, I don't know, man. Like, Kevin Love is just someone It's like, can he and will he? keep playing this type of minutes um who knows but i mean he's cheap like do we trust it no i mean are you playing 150 teams and play a little kevin love i mean i, I think you if you're playing that many teams you probably have to um so yeah, just kevin love man kevin love 16th season for kevin love uh, good for him you know he's definitely had a had a career let's go to the boston side you know probably one of the best, if not the best team in the East heading into the season, you know, adding Drew holiday. We were all kind of curious how that was going to look. I mean, Jason Tatum still got his, um, I mean, most nights it's going to be tough for me to trust Jason Tatum, but I mean, the pricing for Boston has me a little off of this team, but I think we have to at least mention like how well Porzingis looked and, Jason Tatum just continued to do his thing, man. He's just, he's so good at basketball. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what, Jalen Brown is lucky that they squeaked out the win there because he was going to, you know, pick up right where he left off last year and, and just get roasted by some more Celtics fans if they would have lost that game. Uh he had a couple of I think three really bad turnovers back to back to back late in the I think middle of the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, and then uh a really bad shot, and then he fouled a three point shooter while he uh actually made the three. So uh it was a terrible stretch for uh Jalen Brown there, combining that with a you know, I think a 36 percent uh, effective field goal percentage. So it was a really bad game for Jalen Brown. Luckily, they won. So maybe that will save him from some uh, some roastings there. But um, yeah, Tatum looked amazing. 35 percent usage rate. I think that is key for them going forward. And, and, you know, with a lot of names here, Drew Holiday adding Porzingis, it's important for them to maintain the idea that Tatum is the guy here and things. Everything should run through Jason Tatum. If that's the case. I think the 10-5 price tag is is fine. But to your point, you have to wonder if there's going to be nights where Jalen Brown has a big game or Drew Holiday gets involved or Porzingis has a really big game. So it is going to be difficult to really assess the these expensive guys. But, you know, Drew Holiday at 6,500, I know he had a really bad game, uh, 22 DK points in game one, but 6,500 is really cheap for a guy who you know is going to run out there for 34, 35 minutes. Uh, you know, he has some block and steal upside. So you just have to kind of hope that he gets more involved in the offense. Uh, obviously, a 16% usage rate is not going to get it done, but also I'm sure that they you know, brought him in uh, for, to do more than just uh, have a 16% usage rate. So I would probably count on him to do a little bit more uh, as games start to, you know, more games start to be played. I think Derek White is another guy we could mention as like a potential value play on this slate. Yeah. I don't know if this is like necessarily the game that you want to target a lot of um, just because like, the potential slower pace and just a competitive game overall. But I mean, they, they stuck to a very tight rotation. They used Porzingis at the the five a little bit to give Horford some time off the floor. And Derek white got a lot of playing time in that game. So um, just another guy that we want to continue to kind of pay attention to because second unit wise, I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna do their rotations where drew and Tatum and Brown are playing with that second unit because I mean, they just have such a tight rotation, but, like Derek White has opportunity on that second unit to, you know, not necessarily get a ton of usage, but just get a ton of opportunity playing with, you know, playing one-on-one basketball with like Tatum and Brown and Porzingis. So um, I think White's interesting. Maybe not this game, but just in general. All right, Knicks and Hawks, 229 and a half total. Uh, the second or third highest total on the slate. Atlanta's a two-point favorite. The only injury news that we have in this game is Matthews is out. Not that I don't think that matters too much. Um, let's go Knicks first here. You know, first first big slate of the year. I was really interested to see what this team kind of looked like, you know, usage-wise. And they did exactly what I was, like, hoping wouldn't happen. Um, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson all had a 28% <laughs> usage rate. Um, talk to me here about the Knicks. Yeah, I think, you know, with all three of these guys sort of just, you know, eating at each other. I mean, those are all, you know, really good usage rates for those guys, respectively. The thing is, it's just going to be very difficult to to decide which one you prefer. I think for the most part, I'm probably going to lean, you know, I, I, on a slate like this where Jalen Brunson's in the middle of them. In terms of pricing, he's probably going to be my favorite. I think RJ Barrett is somewhat interesting at 6,400, but I think Brunson, this is a little bit higher of a ceiling, and they sort of do similar things in terms of the way they're going to produce from a DFS perspective. Randall, I think, is fine here, but, you know, I I don't know. I think the matchup's a decent one here. But, again, like, there's going to be, a, a, I think, a handful of other guys on the slate in that same price range. And if I do have interest in Brunson, 
probably more difficult to get to Randall. But, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with the play. But the two guys that stood out from a minutes perspective from New York for me was Quickly and uh, Hartenstein. Both guys actually ended up closing the game. Um, Hartenstein, I guess we'll see if that continues. But if this is a guy who's a really good permanent producer, I know he, he wasn't really uh, all that great last year. And obviously in game one, he only had about 20 DK points in 25 minutes. But over the, over the rest of his career, he's been a really good permanent producer. 4,100, if he's going to play 25 minutes, he played almost 26 minutes last game. If that's going to be the case, he's going to be in play as a value center option. And then quickly, you know, to your point that you made about you know using projections a couple of games ago, um, quickly is a guy who I got on last night because of the the projections. Really, I mean, it was a I was kind of overlooking him, larger slate, you know, hard kind of rushing your research process a little bit. But the projections really liked him, so I went with quickly there. 28 minutes, you know, was really effective as a shooter. 87% true shooting number. Probably not going to see that uh, maintained there, but that's the upside that quickly has. He's a really, really good scorer when he gets the ball in his hands, and he does more uh, in terms of assists and you know here and there some of the stock upside as well. So quickly, I think the price has gone up a little bit. I think it only went up a hundred bucks on DraftKings. I'm sure it went up. I don't even know what the number is on Fanduel, but he's only forty three hundred last game on Fanduel. So um, yeah, I still like quickly quite a bit at the spot. Yeah, he's fifty seven hundred. They priced okay. him up. Uh, my one v one opening night was Scoot Henderson or quickly. Let's just say I, ch- I chose wrong. Um, <laughs> kind of love it, right? Yeah. I will. I, I do want to note that like the Knicks did play kind of a deep bench. Um, eight guys played at least 22 minutes um, on opening night. And I mean, that's always a little concerning as far as like overall ceiling. It is a good matchup. Atlanta is a good matchup. They're a team that, you know, typically will play a little faster. Um, and the Knicks like to play a little slower. So this game being in Atlanta, Atlanta, you know, pushing the, pace a little bit gives the Knicks a nice little bump um I mean I think I really think like this is a game that like a guy like Jalen Brunson could break the slate and have that yeah. like 50 point fantasy night uh going to the Atlanta side of this game the Hawks always an interesting team Trey Young got his usage the usage after that was very spread out the minutes were very spread out like we kind of heard a lot of talk about a Kongu getting more involved. He didn't. Capella played 28 minutes. Um, I mean, we can always trust the upside and ceiling of Trey Young, but outside of that, I mean, do we trust anything here? Like, do we believe in this Jalen Johnson game that he put up? Um, what are your thoughts on the Hawks? Yeah, I mean, Johnson looked good and like he didn't really have um an absurd usage number to where you know you, you would think that that number is fluky. 21% is probably going to be a little bit high most nights, especially considering DeJounte Murray also had a 21% usage rate. So you're probably expecting that to drop and the efficiency to drop a little bit. But the minutes for Jalen Johnson were pretty good, right? 30 minutes. I think that's probably going to be a number that is fairly stable going forward. So I think he's going to be at least in play from a minutes perspective and a projection perspective. Um, and then to your point, you know, Trey Young's the guy with the ceiling on this team. DeJounte Murray will have those ceiling games here and there, same with Clint Capella. Um, but these sort of guys in the in the value range, Bogdanovich, uh, Sadiq Bay, Jalen Johnson, all kind of price very similarly and all kind of do this very similar things and you know, play similar minutes. So it's really hard to decipher uh, how these guys are going to shake out. I feel best about Jalen Johnson just because, you know, we heard the most about him you know, taking a step forward from a role perspective preseason. Uh, and, you know, we saw that he played 30 minutes in game one. So it shows that they're trying to, you know, stay true to their word about playing him more and getting him more of a role. Um, but I don't know if I go back to it right here, uh, just because, again, it was only one game. I'd like to have a little bit more of a sample there. And then in terms of Trey Young, I probably don't get to him a ton. 
uh, in this one, just because we've talked about, you know, Desmond Bain, uh, Cade Cunningham, LaMelo Ball, all guys who are same position, same sort of pressings. I think I probably like a little bit more, even Jalen Brunson, a little bit cheaper. So uh, tough matchup against the Knicks here. So I probably don't get to a ton of uh, Trey Young. And, um, but you know, he does, he has those ceiling games in him every single night. So I guess uh, I wouldn't hate having him in the pool, but I think I like those guys. I just mentioned a little bit more than him. Yeah, I mean, with Bay, Johnson, and Hunter all kind of contributing, you know, that does hurt the overall ceiling of guys like Murray yeah. and Young. So, um, and like, you know, as a as a Hawks fan, you're probably like, all right, yeah, we want these guys to perform. But as DFS players, we're like, eh, yeah. eh, eh. All right, <laughs> we're moving on them. Thunder at Cavs, 226.5 total in this game. Cleveland, a 3.5 point favorite. We do have some injury news in this one. Both Williams out for the Thunder, Jalen and Kendrick. On the Cleveland side, Allen is out. Garland and Wade are both questionable. Our very, very favorite thing, questionable tags here night before podcast. Uh, let's start with the Thunder. I mean, SGA did his thing. Giddy did his thing as far as like usage and kind of that. They did spread out the minutes, which I mean, I hate when they when teams do that, but what are your thoughts here going up against a tough Cleveland defense? Yeah, really tough matchup here. Um, I mean, SJ, he's just so he's so good. So you can play him in any matchup. I do think he's one of those guys who are sort of at his point in their career where he can beat any matchup. But the price tag doesn't really give you a whole lot of wiggle room for that. Um, you know, he put up 60 DK. And I mean, quite frankly, for you to feel really good about it, he needs to do that again here at 10-6. Again, like, sure, if, if he puts up 50, you're like, okay, fine. That's probably not going to kill my lineup. But for you to really feel great about playing him over, we mentioned Jason Tatum, similar price tag. He was, I think, $1,000 cheaper than Jokic. Like, you need 60 for, for you to feel like that's a really significant win in your lineup. And against Cleveland, I don't know if he gets that done here. But I would not be surprised. I, th- I do think he's good enough to beat tough matchups. He got 60 DK points on just a 26% usage rate in game one. I think that usage rate will go up. Maybe some of the efficiency will go down because he did have a 76% true shooting number uh, in game one. But um, you know, for the rest of these guys, I, I think I'm probably not overly excited about most of them. You know, I was really excited to see Chet and see how he looked in the NBA. He got his ankles broken by Andre Drummond, <laughs> which that is it's it's one thing to get your ankles broken. It's a whole nother thing to get them broken by Andre Drummond. So uh, I'm sure he's going to be looking to uh, recover from that. But I'm sure he'll, he'll have some highlight moments of himself uh, pretty soon. But um, didn't really play a whole lot. 25 minutes, I think that's pretty standard for a young guy, especially a guy who missed his first year due to injury. So, you know, I think you have to deal with that for a lot of these young guys. They don't really get cranked up full minutes. Same thing for Josh Giddy, played 32 minutes. Uh, Jalen Williams, 32 minutes. 32 minutes for Jalen Williams, but that's going to continue. That's going to be a number that I'm going to watch because he's a, a really good permanent producer. And 32 minutes, I think, is more than enough for him to get it done. But i probably stay away tonight. Yeah, I mean... He... I don't really have a ton of interest in the Thunder in general, just because like the guy you want to play is SGA and he has one of the toughest, if not the toughest matchup in the league, as far as like guards go, um, assuming that like Garland's good to go. So I'm just worried about the matchup. And I do like, like the overall like prospects of home green. I just think that like, we're going to have to wait before we are playing yeah. him on like a nightly basis kind of thing. Uh, Cleveland side, man, what the interesting producers from the Cavs the other night. Um, I mean, Mitchell did his thing. Mobley was awful. Like the biggest failed chalk, I think of the slate, like Obi Toppin didn't kill us with only, I think he had like 20 fantasy points or something, but Evan Mobley just was terrible. Max Strauss is someone we talked about on the podcast the other day. 
I think we go back to the well. Um, he played 39 minutes. His usage wasn't like 40% or anything. It was 21%, 20%. And I mean, it's not like anything stood out where it's like he can't do this every night. Um, you know, he had 27 points and he shot a lot. So, I mean, like, what are your thoughts on Strauss and what's your thoughts on the Cavs? Yeah, the one the one thing that I worry about is, you know, with the one game sample is did he earn more minutes because of how hot he got from three? You know, he was seven for 13 from three. And could that have been a spot where, you know, Cleveland just goes, OK, let's let him roll for a little bit longer. Right. Maybe maybe norm, his normal rotation would have been. 34 minutes and he get an he got an extra five minutes because of the shooting but you know I, I think one worry i might have is maybe his regular rotation is 30 minutes and he got an extra nine minutes because of his you no know, hot shooting or because of the garland uh injury maybe uh that happened mid-game with the the hamstring popping up so that's the one thing i worry about with struce if garland's out i think you can feel better about his minutes but the thing is Lavert still played 32 minutes okoro still played 32 minutes garland still played 32 minutes so it's not like there's a ton of minutes to pull away from Struess, like you still feel pretty good about him projecting for 30 plus minutes pretty easily. But when you look at the prices of some of these other guys, like Levert's 4-9. If if Levert and Struess play the same amount of minutes, I mean Levert's been the better permanent producer over his career. Uh, so I, I wouldn't mind maybe feeling that he's a better tournament play if Struess is going to be very popular. And then a Coro, not a very good permanent producer over his career, but he produced very well in game one, 37 and a half DK points there uh, in 32 minutes. So um, overall, I think Struess is fine. The one thing I'm worried about is if he's very popular. Uh, if he's very popular, that's probably a spot I'm going to look to uh, fade. Akora is a guy that we are so used to just standing in the corner and he didn't yeah. do that the other night. Like what it, it was so such a different look for him. Um, good look for him. Not saying it was bad. But we have to remember, like, watch the Wade news. That could potentially I- impact a few minutes here um, for for a guy like Okoro. Um, yeah. Watch the Garland news. If Garland's out, I mean, just the guard situation is so nice in this spot. We saw um, Max Drews play a lot at the three, um, and I think he even got some minutes at the four. So it's just an interesting dynamic for him. Um, and I think it works against the Thunder. I think both of these teams like to play small. Um, so yeah. I think this game is a game, you know, for the, the Cleveland side anyway, that you want to target a little bit. All right, moving on. We got Houston at San Antonio, 228 and a half here. San Antonio, one and a half point favorite. Easton Oladipo out for Houston. Graham suspended and out for San Antonio. Let's go Houston first. Uh, what are your thoughts here on Houston? Yeah, I was really curious to see how they, you know, looked um, in, in terms of the way they were going to you know, trot out their team and, and roll out uh, the, the way they did. And obviously, it's tough to get a, a great look and great assessment of that when they lose by 30. Um, so that we don't really have a, a great feel for it. And obviously, your magic had a, a field day with them. But, um, you know, Fred Van Vliet played 34 minutes in a game where they lost by 30. Uh, I think that's a pretty clear stake that they're going to play Fred Van Vliet a whole lot. Only a 23% usage rate. I don't think that's all that great. And I think that could be, a, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a number that stays low because you have a lot of high usage guys around him. Jalen Green, Shangun's not a, a bad usage guy either. Uh, but I think Van Vliet's going to be a guy who carries over his trend from uh, Toronto when he was playing upwards of 40 minutes uh, a night, even in the regular season. I think that could carry over here and at 7,600 and a matchup against the Spurs, who were a really good matchup last year. I, this could be a really good bounce back spot for uh, Fred Van Vliet. So 7,600 with that price dropping 600 bucks. I think that's pretty appealing. Uh, and again, I do think that we should, 
probably be looking at him to play 35 plus minutes, 36 plus minutes most nights here for Houston. So I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, I do think Jalen Green is also in play here at 6,300 on DraftKings. He gets the three point bonus over there. You know, he's a guy who can get hot from three. Um, 6,300. I think the price is fine. 27% usage rate. He shot terribly from the field in game one. Uh, so he does have those, you know, really, really massive duds in his, uh, in his range of outcomes there, but you know, he still has those ceiling games. Well, again, I still prefer uh, Fred Van Vliet the most amongst anybody on the team, but the last guy I'll touch on here is Jabari Smith. Very curious to see what they kind of do with him. Again, we didn't really get a whole lot of look um, just because the, the blowout, but I'm curious to see how often he gets time at the five on his own. Cause we saw last year when he was able to, you know, play at the five with Shangun out at times, his rebound rates uh, skyrocketed. He was, getting more blocks and steals. So that's these are numbers that I think are very important for Jabari Smith if he does play the five more. And a 20% usage rate in game one shows that he might have a little bit of a you know two-pronged upside there on offense and defense. And again, 5,300 is a really good price tag for Smith. So, I mean, I think this is the, the tale of two sites. Um, on, on DraftKings, I think Van Vliet is someone at 7,600 that has a ton of upside on FanDuel. I think Jalen Green at 6,400... Um, just kind of knowing like Fando pricing, I, I think that's a really good price tag for yeah. Jalen Green over there. Like he's going to, I, I think he leads this team in usage when the season's over, right? I, I think like he's going to be the usage guy. And I mean, Sangoon is always someone that has upside. Uh, just it's always about minutes for him. And I, I worry a little bit in this spot, Um, you know, looking at like, Wimbayana or whatever, Maya, I, I, I've tried to pronounce his name a million times and still can't. <laughs> Wemby, Wim, Wimbayana, or right, Yama. Um, I think it's Wembin Yama. Yeah, we're just gonna call him Victor. Um, yeah, Victor works. Vic, VW baby, let's go. <laughs> um, he looked like a VW bus out there. Let's talk about him. Um, he was running over everybody and just getting fouls left and right. Yeah, his opening night was kind of um, cut short. Like he only played twenty three minutes. I don't think that was by design at all. Um, yeah. Five fouls. They brought him back. Um, we kind of saw like you know people benefit from him being out and like not playing a ton but man when he was on the floor he he definitely demanded the ball he looked good defensively when he wasn't fouling i don't know if i still i don't know if i do it at the price i think the price is still tough to to play him um when when ben yama uh, i like that thank you richie there you go um what are your thoughts here on the spurs yeah, so you know, I think I think Wemby's pretty interesting here. Um, you know, he, he had a really bad game in game one, but the thing is he actually had a really impressive stint there at the end of the game. I think it was the last four or five minutes or so. He scored nine points in that time frame. He didn't rebound well. He didn't really rack up a, a ton of uh blocks and steals. He had one block, two steals, which keep in mind, this is a guy who will at some point this season have a seven, eight block game. He he absolutely will. I have no doubt about that. And on FanDuel. Those points rack up very, very quickly when you're talking about blocks and steals. Yeah. So he only played 23 minutes, but he put up 28 FanDuel points over there. He is a great fit for FanDuel in terms of his scoring. I do think I agree with you. I don't think 23 minutes was any anywhere, you know, by design at all. I think probably 28 minutes is more likely what we should be expecting from him. Uh, and then eventually he'll be, you know, continue to be cranked up. But yeah, he had four fouls. They brought him back in. He picked up his fifth foul within about 20 seconds of him being back on the floor. And then was out until later on in the fourth quarter. So definitely expecting more of a ceiling from Wemby there. 
And, you know, if he plays 28 minutes and he's able to continue this kind of uh, point per minute upside, and I think it'll be even better as his rebounding improves and as his stock upside improves, you know, I, I think his, his ceiling is going to, going to be very high as a fantasy asset. And I want to be early on it rather than late. You know, last week or our last game, I thought that he would be pretty low owned. He ended up being pretty high in terms of FanDuel single entry. Um, and I, I think after the game that people are going to look at the box score and see, oh, he only played 23 minutes and maybe they don't know he was in foul trouble or maybe they don't know maybe the game situation uh, and maybe he gets even lower owned and 7,500. He's going to be a 9K player on FanDuel very, very soon. So I, again, I would rather be early on that. Yeah, I like the FanDuel thought there um, for sure. I think that his scoring, like he he might break the the FanDuel algorithm over there oh, yeah. um, at, at some points this season. So I, I I do agree with you. I think like if you're playing him, I think it's more on FanDuel. Uh, Vassal looked good. You know, he played, you know, quite a bit of minutes. How much is that going to be affected if um, Wimby is able to stay out of foul trouble and play? Um, the guy that I want to bring up, though, is someone that I talked a lot about um, two days ago when we were doing the podcast, and it's um, Sokan. He looked really good. He didn't get like that, like 32 to 35 minute roll, but man, he looked good. Uh, he had a really solid statistical game. And I think on DraftKings is where you're taking shots on him at 5K. I like the price tag. I think he's someone that, you know, kind of fits a role here. Houston's a team that's very beatable. Um, so I like Sokan uh, at, at 5K on DraftKings today. Yeah, I love that call. Um, I, I will say the, I, I think. He, his upside was very interesting last year because people didn't realize that he was actually playing point guard for this team. Uh, and obviously both sites, DraftKings and FanDuel actually added point guard eligibility for him, which I think this lineup is very unique, right? They have Trey Jones who will play and play a good amount and play the point guard. But when Trey Jones is off the floor, Jamie Sohan, he's playing point guard. And I think that is very interesting for his upside. He has, he has triple double upside. He has stock upside. Uh, he is a very, very good fantasy asset. And to your point, that 5K price tag, is just way too cheap. So Sohan and Wemby, I like a lot. Vassell, you're right. He did play 35 minutes last game. We'll see if that uh, is impacted at all by Wemby may, maybe playing more. Um, but again, like both of those guys, Wemby and Sohan, both guys I want to be you know on before you know we, the field starts to see what they're really capable of. Spurs are gonna be a fun team this year. I think like if they if they keep that like rotation like tight enough for us to be able to use them DFS wise. It's going to be a really fun DFS team. Um, and like, gosh, they were atrocious at times last year. Toronto at Chicago, 217 total in this game. The Bulls, the two-point favorites. Um, I mean, one of the slowest projected pace game on the slate, if not the slowest projected pace game on the slate. It's still, it's still very, very early in the season, so I don't want to use the word pace a, a ton. But this game projects to be really slow. Um, talk to me here a little bit about Toronto. Yeah, a little bit of a new look team, obviously with Schroeder uh, playing point guard now instead of Fred Van Vliet. But other than that, fairly similar in terms of what you're uh, expecting down the board of uh, guys. They added a couple of depth guys that are a little bit different. But um, the one thing I noticed from game one is that Scotty Barnes led the team in terms of use, usage percentage. And that's going to be another guy who it, is he able to take that step forward. Scotty Barnes is another guy similar to Sohan, who is a big guy who plays point guard at times for this team. And with Fred Van Vliet out of the equation, sure, they have Schroeder, but he's Schroeder's not as much of a ball-dominant player as Fred Van Vliet is, so that's going to open up more opportunities for Scotty Barnes as a ball handler. And I absolutely love Scotty Barnes as a player. I love him as a fantasy producer. Sub-7K on DraftKings, 
Really like the price tag for him. He's 8-1 on Fandle. I think Fandle has, probably has the sharper price on him over there, so probably a better play over on DraftKings. But, again, another guy I want to be early on. Uh, he's going to have games where he flirts with the triple-double. I'm sure he'll put up one or two triple-doubles uh, this year. Um, you know, Obviously, last game he had eight rebounds, five assists, along with the 17 points, and he had five blocks as well. So it, he, he does it all. He can do it all. Uh, so Barnes is by far my favorite play from this team, and he probably will be uh, for the majority of the year because I, I do think when things are said and done, he's probably going to be the Raptor that people want to roster the most throughout the year. I think the ceiling plays are going to be Siakam and Barnes. I mean, that's the yeah. the two guys we're going to talk about the most on Toronto. Siakam's 9,500, Barnes is 6,900. Um, FanDuel, they're very similar in price, but on DraftKings, it's just a misprice on on Scotty Barnes. And I don't think what we saw the other night was a fluke um, by any means. I think that he is a very talented young player. Um, OG shot the ball really well the other yeah. night. I think he had like four three-pointers in that game. I don't expect that to be the case every night. Like I, I think that like Barnes has ceiling and Siakam has ceiling. I don't expect OG to shoot lights out um, from three. I think Schroeder, depending on like the site, if you could still get him cheap. I mean, we kind of saw his role. He's going to have a really solid usage rate. He played 32 minutes in that game and he looked really good. I think he had 17 shot attempts. So like if he's going to shoot 15 times and play 30 plus minutes, he's probably a little too cheap. Um, Again, we don't necessarily love this game, like price-wise. I did just notice that on DraftKings, OG is only 5'9". So that price, I think, is probably a little bit too cheap there. Um, he'd probably be mid-sixes, so maybe he's even better over there. But again, I'll probably have... I still like Barnes more, so maybe uh, I probably won't be getting to a ton of uh, this game. So I'm probably not using two players from the same team often, because like you mentioned, it's probably going to be pretty low in scoring and pace. So, uh, But I figured I'll just point out that price tag. Going to the Chicago side, you know, on opening night, we talked about how DeRozan, Vucevic, and Levine all kind of seemed underpriced on DraftKings, and you can make a group and just play one of them. And it didn't necessarily work out, but I mean, the pricing is still kind of nice um, for these guys. Vuce is in a, a really solid spot here. They don't really have a traditional center um, on Toronto. I mean, Jakobotl's there, but let's be honest, he's just there. Not a team that I necessarily love. Zach Levine only playing 24 minutes the, the other night, but just his usage was through the roof. Um, what are your thoughts here on the Bulls? Yeah, another spot where, you know, blowout's going to you know, hurt the minutes a little bit. You're going to see a little bit deeper of a bench. But to your point, still only 24, almost 25 minutes for Levine, while guys like Vooch and DeMar played 32 and 33 minutes. So it's a little bit thing, you know, it's a little bit of something to be concerned about. I don't think they're going to, you know, hold Levine back in terms of his minutes. But um, and I think you make sort of the same case for the most part on majority of slates if you want to play one of these guys. But it's just going to be difficult to assess which one. Um, so I probably end up just avoiding them, especially in a spot like this. But uh, Kobe White, I, I think, is very interesting here. Uh, 4,900. He got the start. Looks like he's going to you know, have that starting position pretty locked up over guys like Io DeSumo and uh, Alex Caruso there and even Javon Carter. So that's very important for a guy uh, like Kobe White, who you're going to be able to secure some minutes as a starter. And then maybe as games go, where he's able to get hot uh, as a shooter, or as a scorer, he's maybe able to earn a few more minutes as well. So 31 minutes in a blowout. If we can get 34, 35 minutes for a guy like Kobe White at 4,900, I know the matchup's not great, but uh, he's definitely going to be a guy who can put up strong producing numbers there if he's going to able to get those minutes. Yeah, I like that call, the price. I mean, we are going to look for some value even on an uh, 11-game slate here. So 
um, like that one. Brooklyn at Dallas, 228.5 total. Dallas, a six-point favorite. Um, Claxton, one of the biggest news that we had come out of opening night. Claxton is going to be out here with ankle sprain. Whitehead is out as well. We'll start with that Brooklyn team. I mean, they kind of did exactly what we we kind of thought. The usage was very spread out. Um, the minutes were very spread out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gosh, I, on a DFS perspective, hate what we saw from <laughs> the Brooklyn side of that game. Um, I mean, there was some high points, right? Cam Thomas looked good. Ben Simmons didn't close. He had a really solid game, and but he only played like 22 minutes. He was one rebound away from a double-double. He actually looked really good, though, in that one. Um, I wish they would have given a guy like Cam Thomas, who just had a stellar game, a little bit yeah. more run, but didn't. I don't know if I trust anything about this Brooklyn team right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think one thing that we can likely trust is whoever starts at center for the Nets, which it should be De'Aaron Sharp, is probably going to be a, one of the better value plays on the board. Um, but in terms of these guys up top, I do agree. I think especially if Cam Thomas is going to be a guy who has this kind of usage rate off the bench, um, you know, Cameron Johnson had a solid usage rate, um, and then that kind of left uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and McCall Bridges kind of out in the cold in terms of usage rate. Bridges had a really good second half, but had a really bad first half. So Bridges is still the guy on this team. There's no doubt about it. I do think that $7,800 price tag on DraftKings is overall uh, too cheap for a guy like Bridges in this offense, who I do think is going to you know continue to have 25-plus percent usage rates uh, for this team. But the one thing I'll say about this game is I do think De'Aaron Sharp starts. I think he is going to project as a really strong value play. However, this is a, this is a spot where maybe – we don't see centers in this game much because on the other side here, you have a couple of guys in uh, Derek Lively and Maxi Kleba who Kleba started the first half, Lively started the second half, and Lively had a great game. But Dallas in years past has been a team that, you know, when they get the chance to not play a center, they don't mind rolling out, you know, a, a smaller lineup there. And typically the guy that they would play as a four down to the five was Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith could do that for Brooklyn here at times. And Dallas has Grant Williams who did that at times for Boston. So, Maybe it's a spot where both teams run small here. So it's one thing that I do want to point out, but I, I am expecting Darren Sharp to start here. He's a fantastic permanent producer when he's gotten the time over the past couple of years. Um, and I think if he's going to start again and, and play any anything more than 20 minutes here, he's going to be a really strong play, especially over on draft. He's a little bit more expensive on FanDuel, though. Is this the spot we could potentially see like Ben Simmons play the five against yep. like Lively? Um, so 
Ben Simmons not as cheap as he was the other night. We kind of hope that his minutes go up, but I don't trust that his minutes are going to go up. I, I mean, I don't think he was having a bad game at all. And the fact that he didn't close in that game and came out with like four minutes to go is not a great sign um, from like a ceiling perspective. Uh, I think Bridges, like you said, uh, he has to be the guy. Um, and it really just comes down to like who we kind of project to play like the 25 to 30 minutes that Claxton was going to play. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Dallas side. Hey, Luca's good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Nothing else needs to be said. No, um, I think Kyrie's going to play with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder in this game for what it's worth. Um, Kyrie is that type of player, I feel like, where he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder. I don't know what to do with that DFS-wise because it's not like Kyrie's, like, super cheap. Um, he's 9,600 on DraftKings. He's 9,300 on FanDuel. So, like, I don't know if even playing with a chip on his shoulder is going to give him enough upside. But he did have a 30% usage rate. Luca. 38 and a half percent usage rate. The usage after that was very, very spread out. Um, what are your thoughts here on Dallas? Yeah. Um, like you said, Luca, very, very good. Um, you can play him any slate. I will say, you know, on, on Fandle, Kyrie's $3,000 cheaper. So that, I mean, that's a very significant price tag. That's, you know, $1,800 difference on DraftKings, 3000, uh, over on Fandle. Luca, obviously the better fantasy producer, um, no questions about it really but if you're you know if you are looking to save a bit of salary and you still want to get exposure and you're like oh if i don't have luca because if you're not playing luca and luca kills you you're probably done right if he goes for 75 like he did uh last game but if you're not playing luca and he has a bad game what's the most likely outcome it's probably because Kyrie Irving had a good game uh, and that kind of forced luca to you know be in the back seat for that game so uh, i think that makes sense you know looking at Kyrie, if you're not playing luca um for the rest of these guys, there's a couple of interesting options. Lively, I hope he's the real deal. I hope he, he, I mean, he is the kind of player that Dallas has needed. A good pick and roll, a big body who can, you know, be a physical threat in, you know, under the basket and, and run this, the pick and roll with these guys. I hope he's the, the real deal here. It'll be interesting to see if he comes out and starts. His price tag did go up, so probably not playing him, but, you know, just from more, from more real basketball perspective, hope he pans out. Uh, Grant Williams, he played 35 minutes last game, and like I mentioned, if this game does go small, Grant Williams, you're probably, I mean, it, it feels like he's going to be a pretty safe bet to play 32, 33 plus minutes here again. Uh, he's not, a, you know, an incredible permanent producer, but you can find worse. Uh, and if he's going to play 35 plus minutes, he's definitely in play here. So he's the last name that I really shout out here. You can, you can play Tim Hardaway if you want to uh, and hope that he gets hot from three, but uh, probably not one of my favorite plays. Hardaway is going to be that usage guy off the bench. Um, so like, on, on a big slate like this, I don't know if we necessarily will need it, but I mean, he's, he's like at that $5,200 price tag. If he gets hot, like he doesn't like negatively correlate with like Kyrie or Luca at all, because you're really hoping that when those guys are off the floor, Hardaway is just jamming. Um, I yeah. mean, that's, that's where he gets his ceiling from, but like the Grant Williams call 34 minutes the other night, like you mentioned, and uh, had a bad rebounding game. So um, we could definitely see more on the rebounding front from him in any matchup, really. We got LA Clippers at Utah, 230.5 total. Clippers a 3.5 point favorite in this one. Chance Mann is out. That's that's really the only injury news that we have here for the Clippers. Um, I mean, we'll start here with LA. You know, Paul George looked great, played 31 minutes. Kawhi played 28 minutes. 
Westbrook, 28 minutes. Um, they're very careful with their minutes in that game, which, I mean, they definitely could be. I mean, I, I look at usage and I look at production for Utah and nothing outside of maybe Paul George or Kawhi is is playable too much here for me. Am I missing something? Like, is there something we should be looking at here on the Clippers that I'm missing? I mean, Westbrook looked fine. I don't expect Zubak to crush every single game, but I mean, he's always someone that's like a fine, like center value. Always worried a little bit about like Mason Plumlee eating into his production a little bit, but um, am I missing anything here on the Clippers side? Um, You know, I mean, I think if we're mid-season, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these guys sit here uh, in terms of Paul George and, and Kawhi just against Utah. But again, they did, you know, they weren't forced to play a ton of minutes last game with the the easy win there against uh, Portland, uh, and they have they have Saturday off, so I, I don't I'm not overly worried about it. But I wouldn't be surprised if that happens here, even though it is so early in the season. Um, but the one thing I will say about Kawhi and Paul George is both of them had really strong usage rates. It was pretty clear that the offense is going to run through both of those guys. And after that, you saw a pretty big drop off, which is that, which I think is good for their uh, production going forward. Westbrook had a decent game in terms of efficiency wise, but it was more so based on uh, outside stats other than scoring. So he, he had a 42% assist rate, which is really solid. And then had some, uh, some blocks and some turnovers, uh, some steals. So I think from, from that perspective, both of these guys look pretty good. Paul George and Kawhi there uh, on Fanduel, Both of them are also 8,500, which I do think is a pretty good price tag. And this should be a pretty good matchup as well. So um, I think both these guys are going to be fairly interesting tournament plays. My only thing is I do think that I'm going to have this other plays that we've talked about, you know, just thinking off the top of my head, Desmond Bain, uh, Kate Cunningham, guys like that, who I think I'm probably going to end up liking just a bit more uh, compared to Paul George and Kawhi. But uh, I do think that they're definitely going to be in play for me. Derek and Chad says Baker having the luckiest drive of his life. Um, <laughs> that's always fun. All <laughs> right, let's go to the Jazz. Uh, we saw the Jazz just get absolutely steamrolled uh, by the Kings on opening night. I think it was like one thirty to one fourteen. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think that has a lot to do with like the minutes that we saw. Markin only played like thirty-one. Collins played thirty. Clarkson played thirty, and then it was like everybody in the eighteen to twenty-two minute range. Um, I'm not saying this matchup is much better <laughs> as far as like facing the Clippers here for Utah. Um, anything jumping off the page to you here for the jazz? Uh, no, I might have to set a reminder to my computer to never play Taylor Horton Tucker. Cause that guy is just the most <laughs> frustrating player to roster. Uh, he started last game, played 21 minutes. He got up to a decent start and then you now he gets benched uh, just cause he's not playing all that great. And, uh, he, I mean, I know he's a decent player, but I just feel like every time I roster him, he, he just is always <laughs> killing me. Uh, and the minutes were not good. So I'm going to definitely, you know, fade Taylor Horton Tucker for the time being until I see better minutes from him. Uh, I was really impressed by John Collins and the way that he was able to produce without, you know, necessarily needing to score a whole lot and, you know, have the ball in his hands a lot, only a 15% usage rate, but was able to produce 15 points, 11 rebounds, uh, and only had one steal. So, you know, he has more upside there in the blocks and steals category as well. So it was nice to see him work well with Markin in there. However, I guess we'll see how it shakes out when Walker Kessler maybe earns more minutes. I don't know. I guess we'll see how that trio sort of uh, pans out. But for the time being, I'm probably not uh, overly interested in any of these Jazz players. I'm fairly worried about the blowout. And I, again, I think this is going to be a team that can you know run deep rotations and have a lot of guys eat away at each other. So I'll probably stay away from the Jazz here. 
Yeah, I mean, Collins, I think, is still playable on DraftKings at like 5,400. But yeah. like when we're looking at 6,400 for him on FanDuel, I don't see a ton of value there. So I think uh, on his DK price, you could still take some shots on Collins. Um, I mean, in a blowout kind of atmosphere, he got 30 minutes. So if he is going to be like a 30-minute guy, I think the $5,400 price tag is okay. Um, yeah. So. All right, Golden State at Sacramento, 240 and a half. The Kings a three-point favorite in this one. Draymond's still out. Trey Lyle's still out. Let's go to the Golden State Warriors. Um, man, this game is juicy. You know, I think this is a game that first look or last look, everyone's going to have this one circled. Chris Paul looked um, phenomenal. We'll, we'll just start with that. And... The sites were very quick to make up for that uh, Chris yeah. Paul price tag. He's still 6,600 on FanDuel or DraftKings, but 8,100 8, on FanDuel. Um, talk to me here about Golden State. Yeah, I mean, still at 6,600, still like that price tag for Paul. Um, and, and until Draymond comes back, which, you know, first first glance, you might think, well, what does that have to do with Chris Paul a whole lot? But I do think that there's a chance that Chris Paul comes off the bench when Draymond returns, but with Draymond out, they're going to keep starting Chris Paul. And, uh, you know, I, I was listening to Steph Curry do an interview, uh, yesterday, uh, or, or sorry, game one, wherever that was, I think two days ago. Um, and he was talking about how this is an entirely different offense for Chris Paul. He's never really ran, you know, the fast paced motion offense. Uh, and he looked to, to flourish in it. And I do think that at times they're going to play around Chris Paul when you know they did a good job when Steph was out, Paul was out there running the floor, uh, and at 6,600, he's going to have a nice little role here. And he, I mean, he's getting up there in terms of age, but he is still producing. And he doesn't, he's a guy who doesn't need to score a lot to, to really produce. You know, he only had 14 points last game and still almost put up 40 uh, DK points there. So I like Chris Paul again here at 6,600. I do think the 9 3 price tag on Steph Curry is way too cheap uh, in a matchup against the Kings, especially on DraftKings where, you know, he has the three point bonus. Obviously he's not a guy that's going to go out there and put up triple doubles a whole lot. So that's a bummer for him. But, uh, yeah, the nine, three price tag, I think is, is way too cheap. So, uh, having one of Steph Curry or Chris Paul, I think is going to make a lot of sense here. I don't think it's crazy to throw clay in there. Um, just, you know, when you're thinking like wings against Sacramento, it's been a thing for years. I, I feel like, and, I could see Clay Thompson having a big game here. Like he is still going to like get up his shot attempts. Um, we saw Chris Paul shoot what 15 times on opening night. Like Golden State's going to get their shots up. Um, 15 shot attempts for Chris Paul. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think that he potentially moves out of the rotation, uh, a starting rotation anyway, when Draymond comes back. Um, Draymond's just a better point guard <laughs> in this yeah. kind of offense. So, um, which is weird to say, but I, I like this spot uh, for Clay and Paul. You can always take shots on Steph. Like he, when he gets hot, like he breaks slates. What I was kind of worried, what I'm worried a little bit about is just Wiggins. Um, he did not have any kind of role in that game offensively. And I, I mean, he had 12 shot attempts, but I'm just worried a little bit about Wiggins. And I honestly, I don't think we can take shots on like Sarge or Kaminga. They really ate into each other's minutes. Um, I know Kaminga still had like a really solid game. I think he had 12-6 and some defensive stats. Um, so maybe if you want to take shots on him, but I just don't think you're going to get like the 28 minutes from Kaminga um, right now. Yeah. All right, Kings. I mean, one of the most exciting young teams in the NBA, I feel like, is the Kings. They have a lot of talent on this team. Let, let's just start with the fact that 
Harrison Barnes is not going to score 40 fantasy points a night. Um, <laughs> well, let's just get that out of the way. Yeah, he, he better not. Otherwise, we're living in a different reality. Uh, that <laughs> is for sure. Um, but, you know, his minutes were good. 33 minutes. We should expect that for Barnes. He's kind of always been that guy. I do think eventually we'll see Keegan Murray kind of overtake Barnes in terms of being the guy who plays more minutes. It might not even be this year. I guess we'll see how uh, his development shakes out. But I, I like Keegan Murray a good amount as a player. But for the time being, yeah, we have to expect Barnes to play big minutes, 33 minutes last game uh, in a spot where the game wasn't all that close. So um, with that being the case, you're probably looking at 35 plus minutes a night for Harrison Barnes and at 5,700. In the meantime, that's going to be a pretty good a pretty good play. Um, probably not my favorite play, probably not the sexiest play. Again, I don't think we're going to be expecting 45 points a whole lot. And if, I think by you know 5 o'clock tomorrow, if we check the ownership and He's 30% owned. I'm probably going to run the other way, um, but I think he's fine for the meantime. I always like Sabonis. Uh, he's one of my you know, favorite. You know, I, I think he's one of the more underrated players in the NBA just because he's not really a big superstar, big name guy, but he's, he just does everything so well. Uh, I think he's one of the best producers. I do think it's very high praise, but I do think he is you know, Jokic light, and it, he's still young. He could still, still make some strides and maybe even start to you know, really – match the the kind of production that Jokic is having one day obviously that would be a uh, a really wide stretch there but I do think he has that kind of skill set so uh yeah Sabonis I like a lot 10-2 is a big price tag uh and it's tough because on a slate like this with a you know probably not a ton of value options you are probably looking at you know if you do play Sabonis he's your your starting guy and that's and I think there are better options but still like him quite a bit Darren Fox, 8,700. I think he's more than fine as well, especially looking at a bounce back option there. He did have a 29% usage rate last game. He just shot the ball really poorly and didn't really you know, do anything from a uh, peripheral stats standpoint. So uh, I would say right now Fox is my favorite king. I think Murray and Barnes are fine uh, shot options uh, in terms of you know dart throws. And then I think Sabonis is, is a fine contrarian spend-up option, but I do think I give the slight edge to, to Fox in this one. I think if Barnes starts getting like super chalky, just pivot to Keegan Murray. I yep. think Murray has a higher ceiling anyway. Um, so I think that's just one to I just it's such an it's it seems it almost seems like too easy as a pivot, but I mean those sometimes are the ones that are the most overlooked. So yep. all right, last game. We got my magic going to Portland, two twenty three and a half total. Orlando, a two and a half point favorite on the road here. Um this game, I mean, as far as pace and everything, it'd be interesting to see like what we're looking at Portland wise. But let's go to Orlando here first. Um, I mean, kind of what I expected from the Magic, where the usage and everything is going to be spread out. The minutes are going to be spread out. Um, I mean, the game wasn't necessarily that close either. So, I mean, that's something to note. But what are your thoughts here on the Magic? Yeah, unfortunately, like there's a, a lot of really interesting pieces on this team, but I just think they're they're too spread out. I know minutes wise, we didn't really have a ton to take from last game, as I think they won by 30 against Houston. But uh, even the usage rates, right? Like Franz Wagner led the way with a 27 percent usage rate, but guys like Fultz only 17 percent, Bancaro 16 percent, uh, Suggs and Cole Anthony had 24 percent. So I think these point guards are probably going to be my favorite plays most nights for the Magic. Uh, with Ben Carroll being interesting tournament option here and there. Um, but, you know, with these point guards, you have Fultz, Anthony, and Suggs, who are all kind of in the same price range. They all kind of do similar things, right? Like Fultz is a little bit better at, you know, filling up the stat sheet uh, top to bottom there. 
in Cole Anthony and, and Suggs are a little bit more uh, scoring dependent, but it's going to be hard to really nail which which one I like the most, right? Because just they kind of all do similar things. They're all sort of similar similarly priced. Suggs is the cheapest one on DraftKings, but he's also the one I feel less confident in from a minutes perspective. So um, it's probably a spot I'll stay away from for the most part early on in the season. But I do think right now, um, Markel Fultz, 5,500. He's probably going to be my favorite. Uh, let me see what his price tag is over on FanDuel. Um, but yeah, 5,500 I think is fine. He's 58 on FanDuel, I think. He's fine there as well. So Fultz is probably my favorite magic play uh, for the night. But I, I I think I just can't really feel totally confident just because of how much uh, those three kind of uh, take away from each other. Yeah, I mean, so I don't – Suggs is probably like my least favorite, and I think that he's one of the most talented guys. But um, I think Cole Anthony is probably my favorite just because Cole Anthony is going to control the second unit for the Orlando Magic um, most nights. And there are going to be nights that he closes um, with this offense. So – I think like overall upside, I think Cole Anthony is someone we want to look at. He's going to have that like 24, 25% usage rate off the bench. And I mean, he's just going to, I mean, gosh, like he had, I think he had like eight, seven or eight rebounds the other night too. So like, he's someone that is just so active. Like he's, he doesn't, yeah. he's like, doesn't stop always. Um, but I like Cole Anthony. I don't really have a ton of interest in the magic. I always feel like I'm, I'm down on the magic, but you just look at like the minutes and the usage and it's tough. Um, I'm very excited as a fan because I think that we have a very, really good, very real, like very real life basketball team. Um, that's kind of deep. I think Banchero could potentially smash in this spot. Um, do we get to him? Probably not. But man, on an 11 game slate, I could see him against this young Portland team just having a bonkers game. Um, so I mean, that that would probably be my favorite pivot. Um, probably my favorite pivot for large field tournaments on the Portland side, man. Oh, all right. I am over. I'm over the scoot Anderson tilt. Um, it happened. I tilted. I was frustrated. I'm over it. 35 minutes. I mean, we, gosh, he looked terrible in the first half. Like just, we, I feel like we have to erase like the first half from our memory because he just was, he was just so bad. And I don't like maybe nerves, like your first NBA game, maybe nerves, I think the positive thing is 35 minutes and he played terrible. Um, I, I mean, that is a really good sign if you're interested in this guy. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the one thing that might you know, jump out to me as a potential red flag for Henderson in his minutes is it was a blowout and we saw guys like Simons and Sharp sit while Henderson played. That could mean nothing. Uh, it, it could just be them taking that time, taking advantage of that time to you know get him out there as you know the number one. Um, but you know, if it's a spot where maybe the game's close, if Sharp and Simons are playing over him, and maybe we see you know Aiton, Grant, and uh, I don't know Brogdon or Thibel close, uh, that could be a spot where Henderson maybe loses minutes early on in the season as he kind of develops. But it's it's really hard to say uh, for right now. I think when you're looking at this game, if it's if it's close from a, uh, a matchup perspective, Simons is the guy that I want to roster yep. here. Um, he is. I think, you know, kind of, I feel kind of bad for him because it feels like he's maybe getting lost in the shuffle of this rebuild, right? With Sharp and Henderson there. And obviously they just brought in Aiton. Brogdon's a bench guy at this point uh, in his career and for this team. But Simons is a really good player. Obviously we'll have to see if he, if he plays tomorrow. Uh, but I, I think he's probable, right? With the, the yeah. thumb sprain. So should be good to go. Um, but he's a guy that if the game stays close and he has this usage then i think he's going to be a really good player but the minutes for these young guys is what i want to see sort of shake out in a close game but um 
if Henderson is able to play 35 minutes again, then I think it's a spot where you say, okay, he had a really bad game, but the minutes are there. Let's go right back to it. But for now, I think Simons is probably my favorite play on DraftKings because I think that $6,400 price tag is, is just a bit too cheap for what he can do on this team. Yeah, I mean, to give you an idea, he's 7200 on FanDuel. So, yeah. like, the price difference is nice. And I do think he has the highest ceiling. Um, yeah, I, I think we – like, Grant has to continue to be in the conversation um, just as far as, like, the potential that he has. Like, he hasn't shown it, I feel like, in forever, but he has that potential to have that big game. I think it's just a matter of time before Sharp starts over Thibel. I've talked about him a lot this offseason. I think that he's extremely talented and – I think he's the rookie that, you know, like is kind of going under overlooked um, just in general here. So yeah. I, I guess he's not a rookie, right? He's second year. Second but, year yeah. um, just I feel like he's going overlooked because we really didn't talk about him a lot last year because we didn't have to. Yeah. This is a way different look Portland team. He's going to get a lot more opportunities here. So I could see Orlando blowing out Portland, but I also could see this being like an ugly close game uh, with a lot of scoring. So. All right, let's play the morning grind game, and then we'll get out of here. We're going to use DraftKings um, scoring. I just looked. There's not a ton of props, so we're going to take out the pick them and props play at the end. We're just going to do the four questions today. Favorite play under 5,000 to go 7X. Who do you got today? Yeah, so I'm going to go a little uh, off the board here. I think the obvious answer is probably going to be De'Aaron Sharp. Um, so I, I do want to throw that name out there. But I'm going to go with a, a unique one. Karis LeVert here, 4,900. Uh, especially if Garland is out or limited, Levert's going to you know potentially step up there. But uh, he played 31 minutes last game, um, so regardless, I think Karis Levert is a very very interesting play, especially if Garland is out. But uh, I think especially if Struess is popular, it could be a really good pivot there. So I'll go Karis Levert. I'm going to go way off the board today, um, and I almost put this down as my let's get weird GPP play of the day. But I'm going to go Isaiah Hartstein for the Knicks as like a 7X play. If he's going to get 25 minutes every night, he has the upside to get that 7X. And that's what we're looking for in the value, guys. Like, if we can get the 5-6X from our studs and our value guys can get that 7-8X, our lineups are off to the races. Uh, over 8K to go under 5X. Who's your bust today? Yeah, this one, uh, this one pains me to say because he's one of my favorite players, but I'm going to go with Pascal Siakam. Uh, I talked a little bit about how I think Scotty Barnes is slowly becoming the guy in Toronto and a tough matchup there against Chicago, so I'll take uh, Siakam there. This pains me to say because I've played this guy a lot. I love this guy. I think he's awesome, but this matchup is the, the worst for guards. Give me SGA to bust yeah. today. Uh, just Cleveland is is just so tough, and we saw it with so many guards. Like, top end guards last year so give me sga as my bust uh favorite 6x play today any price range someone that you just like to get 6x today uh yeah i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with fred van vliet you know i talked about him and his minutes there in game one uh and again i think this is a really good game not only to stay close for houston which i think is gonna be important for them uh but also from a matchup perspective against san antonio so i'm gonna go with van vliet could probably go a little bit cheaper in terms of a guy to get 6x but uh, i like van vliet to have a big game here I'm going to start beating the drum now on big men against Charlotte. I'm going to go Jalen Duran. He's just too cheap on DraftKings. Like FanDuel priced him up to 7,900. He's 5,600 on DraftKings. I think, like I said at the beginning of the show, going into this slate, I have him circled as one of the potential like top value plays on the slate. 17 points, 14 rebounds, four assists, four blocks on opening night. 
against the Miami Heat, one of the toughest matchups for bigs. So um, Duran is someone that I really like here. All right, last question. Let's get weird. GPP play of the day. I, it's impossible to know ownership night before, but um, someone that you think is going to go overlooked today. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I'm such a I'm such a sucker for the ownership projections here that, I, you know, I, I like to lean on those when I'm thinking about getting different. But I'm going to assume that Scotty Barnes is not all that popular here. Tough matchup against Chicago. 6,900 is the price tag. Um, so I'm assuming he's going to be probably single digit under 10% owned unless my love for Scotty Barnes is really, uh, you know, felt amongst the rest of the public. But I'm going to go Scotty Barnes here. I think ownership spread on 11 game slate anyway. Um, So, I mean, it's tough. I'm going to go to a spot that we just kind of talked about. Is it too simple as a pivot? It's tough to say, but I'm going to go Keegan Murray. I really think, you know, game log watchers are going to look at what Barnes did on opening night and they're going to be loving some Harrison Barnes. I think Keegan Murray has a huge ceiling. Um, Just a phenomenal game to target in general. And I'm hoping that, Keegan Murray goes overlooked. Kyle, appreciate you being back, man. Always fun to talk hoops with you. Um, glad that you're back on the RG team. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I appreciate you having me. Anytime you need someone to, to talk some hoops with you or talk any sport, I'm always here, so just let me know. I'm going to sit you up um, during the, the lull between baseball and basketball to get some college football, and I was like, man, I just I can't do it. Um, I just can't <laughs> do it. I know you guys have been crushing um, with the college football stuff, so make sure you guys are checking out premium here at rotor grinders that's going to wrap it up for friday have a fantastic weekend we'll be back on monday talking hoops good luck everyone we'll see you then